You are listening to the sassiest podcast in the world. Born in the Nordics, democratizing B2B SaaS knowledge everywhere. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Mick Weyers, the Director of Customer Success at Shanext. You need standard sales training. You need to know how to get people in a certain sentiment. Um, you just don't have to be the best closer because you have someone else in your team who does that on a daily basis that you can pull into a conversation, but you need to understand the basics. All right, we are back with another episode of the Sassiest Podcast, and thank you for being with us yet another time. And we hope that we can bring some new perspectives in the episode today. We have a really interesting conversation coming up with Mick, one of the speakers at Sassiest Amsterdam. But before, Daniel, how are you today? Very good. Uh, it's been really a fantastic year in all kinds of ways, and I don't want to be summarizing already, but I think it's worth mentioning that what we've done together with the community today, you know, come together at the big events, we've shared so much knowledge with each other in the podcast, in the different forums we've had. It's truly been amazing to, I feel like I work with hundreds of people that are contributing to, to this. So it, it's been a fantastic year from that perspective to work with the community. Like, I can't thank you guys enough. Absolutely. From people on the outside that, I mean, they're not so much into B2B SaaS and so on. They just see, you know, a couple of guys sitting in small rooms looking at their computers and <laughs> feels, says to me, it must be very lonely. Well, it's not. It's very, it's, it's a very social and uh, rewarding thing. And uh, we hope that a lot of you feel that you get value from this exercise with SAS. Just uh, fun note, Daniel, something completely different. Uh, my kids sometimes make fun of me because I happen to say Daniel instead of Daniel. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't know if you have re reacted to that. I don't know if I do it often. Hopefully no, not, not. Not, not too often, but I, I get it. Sometimes we have to sneak in our little swinglish in there. But uh, again, just to come back, like we have a hot topic that we're debating today it's about csm compensation you know we all know nrr is the new gold standard here in our b2b SaaS world and with that there's been so many topics about how we're elevating the csm game compensation levels is one of those topics that actually we've debated quite a bit in our networks and thomas i know you've, you've talked about it before but tell us again about the executive network, specifically the CSM network. Absolutely. So the executive network is for people that work for B2B SaaS companies above 2 million euros in ARR and up. And uh, you should be a VP or higher. You should at least be responsible for that function and um, you know have a, a decent organization under you. Uh, and we have this in nine different verticals. So it's not just um, customer success. It's also product engineering, sales, marketing, finance, people, operations, and partner. So hopefully you can find some of those that sort of fits your profile. And we meet um, nine times a year in, in very focused digital meetings where we share user cases and everyone gets to give their feedback on this. So we help each other out there. And uh, then we have a similar exercise for the CEOs. 
And uh, right now, applications are open to join these groups for 2024. So uh, head over to sassiest.com under community. You can find these. And also, if you work within these areas, maybe not as a leader, you can still join the Slack community as well, where all of these questions are discussed in various channels. So that is that. Another opportunity to also consume more customer success uh, material is on our upcoming SASIS 2024 event in Malmö, Sweden, mid-April. We will have a customer success track as we always have. And no other than Nick Meta, uh, the father of customer success, more or less the opening speaker, CEO at Gainsight, will join us and we are very excited about that. But now... Over to our conversation. Today, we are super happy to have Mick Weyers, the Director of Customer Success at Shanext, here as a guest in the Sassiest podcast. So welcome, Mick. Thank you, Thomas and Daniel, for having me on this podcast. Yeah, definitely. It's great to have you here, Mick. And I know that you're just coming fresh out of a big CS event, and we're going to drill you a little bit on that, you know, the trends, what you saw. And we have a really spicy topic today, which is about compensation of CSMs. But before we dig into that, why don't you tell the world a little bit, who is Mick? That's a good one, Daniel. Now, um, Mick is a director of customer success for Chenext. It's a Dutch scale-up based in Utrecht. And next to that, I'm also a community owner around customer success. It's called the Customer Success Snack. And we've done um, hyper-local events. I've been in touch with over 3,000 customer success managers, and everyone always has an opinion on customer success. And yeah, it's a, a lot of fun to combine it in work and community. And as you said, just came back from Pulse Europe, where it was jam-packed with a lot of value and uh, also around this touchy topic that we're going in today. Why is it everyone has an opinion about customer success? It's 20 years old. So like, uh, don't pin me down on the numbers, but sales... I think there's 20 sales books coming out per year. And I think if you look at how many good customer success books, there are maximum 10. <laughs> if you think about the volume, I would be very surprised if it would be over 20. Um, if you just take away all those ebooks written by people with, uh, with personal opinions, it's, it's a new thing. It's uh, very SaaS heavy. And slowly you see that the enterprise market is, is, is looking to adopt it and then even more opinions come uh, come around. Okay, right. So, which book would be your favorite book? Like, if there's uh, somebody listening in here, it's like, ooh, I want to pick up a book that's like the CSM book. Which one would that be, in your opinion? Yeah, for me, it's Expansion Sale um, from Tim Risser, and, and 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 we'll put in a link uh, to download to download or to buy it because that's the number one book that I always recommend. So it's not the Seven Pillars of Customer Success, or it's not the Customer Journey. No, it's about the Expansion Sale. Do you need to break the status quo or do you need to protect the status quo backed up by data? And I I love it. Okay, cool. Thank you for that. So we're going to just also, uh, you mentioned you work at Shenex. That's a director of customer success. What can you tell us about Shenex? What what kind of company is that? And uh, yeah, what do you do? Yeah, so it's it's a scaling company. So we are currently growing 10X in ARPA. Um, We were in a... Deloitte top 50 recently, I think the, the top 20 in, in year over year percentage growth. Uh, we are currently around 50 employees, European based. 
in through channel marketing automation. We're making the steps towards the US at the moment. And I'm heading and overseeing the, the customer success department and our professional services, okay. which is a content agency. That's great. So what does ChanX actually do? What is your business and for whom do you exist? So we amplify partner marketing through our engine for the biggest enterprises like Cisco, Logitech, Hewlett Packard Enterprises, all those companies that are relying on channel revenue sometimes up to 95% of their revenue is channel revenue. And they never had a good way to accelerate or amplify partner marketing. And portals just don't work because all the resellers don't want to go to a portal for brand A, portal for brand B, portal for brand C. Right. They just don't have the time for that. And we automated it with a social connection. And we're an ecosystem for ecosystem play. So it's really looking at the reseller perspective and not a vendor or a brand perspective. So how can you really enable all those resellers to co-market and to, in the end, generate a lot of revenue? Gotcha. So is it then only a certain type of sizable organization that makes sense? Like you have to be a Cisco for, for this to make sense or would it make sense for somebody smaller as well? No. So we are currently really focusing on the enterprise market and yeah. uh, the high volume uh, global players like the Cisco's. Um, and perhaps in the future, we'll also go down market a little bit. We are experimenting there because there's a lot of need for this. However, focus, 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 right? Especially if you're three, five year uh, old um, and you need to start scaling into the US, don't go wide, just go deep. Got it. All right. So also, how big is your CS department? So the CS department is three, but the total uh, professional services department is, is 10, including CS. All right. So who do you report to? Uh, I report in our uh, VP2 of revenue. And I love that, actually. Okay. So you are a part of the revenue organization. And, and of course, that can be different in, in different companies, which I think is also something that you talk about in the CS snack breakfast and so on. But today, uh, we're going to talk about also a hot potato, I think. And that's the compensation of the CSM. So, um, Daniel, where do you want to start on this? Well, I think actually we should open up with maybe a rather broad and open question. Like, Nick, why do you think that suddenly there's a special interest in discussing and debating CSM compensation? Why was this not a topic, at least in my opinion, or maybe I wasn't aware of it, three years ago or five years ago? Why now? For me, it's been a topic five years ago as well, Daniel. But I understand <laughs> that for the bigger for the bigger market now, it's now it's 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 becoming more relevant. One has to do with the more sustainable growth path at the moment that the people are looking for, um, and NRR is a very clear metric that you can measure against uh, for valuation. And I would love to show you a graph right now, but you all know the difference of a company that has an NRR of 101%, 110, 125%, or 150%. And if you're really looking for sustainable growth, you need to have a positive NRR number. And if you want to be one of the hyperscalers, you need to have an NRR number of 120, 130 plus. Where are you at Chanex when it comes to this? Is uh, I, 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 like, like, let me put it like this. Um, we're, we're on a good way. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, we're north of a hundred. Okay. Uh, just can't say how much. Okay. Um, That's fair. Fair enough. Not everything is, um, is, is public knowledge. Uh, like, uh, I'm happy that at least I can share some of the, some of the, the metrics. I know that for some people it's all about, uh, yeah. 
mystery. Yeah. Now, so there is just a very clear difference between those NRR numbers and compensation drives behavior. We have seen that in sales. Um, and why don't use that same methodology in customer success and looking for customer outcomes, spotting CSQLs up to being able to pull the trigger. And that all depends a little bit if you're enterprise, if you're mid-market, if you're a volume play. But in the end, it's all about discovering desired outcomes, rediscovering desired outcomes, and being able to charge for that. So I had a very interesting conversation in Pulse where I was talking to commercial customer success leaders, and they were really letting go of people that were having a portfolio of under 100%. Because all they said, oh, but then I'm not allowed to let any customer churn. And that's not the mindset you're looking for. No, you're okay to churn if you compensate, if you find expansion elsewhere. But if you have customer success teams or individual contributors that are not looking to get to an NRR of 120, 150, then I think you're back to the glorified support roles that we started 10 years ago. Right. Um, and, and I see a... a market that's toughening really toughening up yeah but obviously you spend quite some time in the space thinking about all things csms you you run your own organization now with chanx and so on and i know you've met thousands of csm folks here throughout the years in your opinion your personal opinion how should csms generally speaking be compensated on what should they be compensated? I believe all customer success managers should be compensated. Let me clearly state that. Yeah. I don't believe in a non-compensation role. Um, I believe in the 80-20 split, and that's also very common. The only thing that is still like not there yet, that's uncapped bonuses. Like It's really, okay, what if you hit it? If, are you going to go over or how are you going to handle that, especially around enterprises? Mm. And then how you split that 20%, that's significantly different at different companies at different stages. And it's all about what is the outcome that you are looking for. Yeah, I really like um, when it's a split on NR, yeah. adoption, and customer advocacy. Because those, to me, are really three units that are crucial at almost every stage. Okay. NR is very measurable. Adoption is one of the leading indicators for expansion. And therefore, you can really use it if it is a challenge of the company. If you don't have an adoption challenge, don't compensate on it. But if you have an adoption challenge, and if you know that higher adoption will lead to higher NR, why not get that behavior in? And customer advocacy is something that if you put it in your compensation, you force your CSMs to maybe ask a difficult question right? or to challenge your DMU or to really get someone, a CFO. Let's say I'm, I'm, I'm junior and I'm, I need to ask a CFO if he wants to speak on behalf about the business case at an event. That's super valuable and often challenging and difficult. And this compensation can really yeah, push um, and drive that that behavior a little bit. Okay. All right. Uh, so you talk about these different value drivers. You also talk about the split, 80-20. What's, how do we calculate the value and who's splitting the sort of the sum that should be split, <laughs> so to say? Yeah, I think you're touching on do- double compensation here. Okay. So let's say you're an enterprise motion, like your customer success manager is a project manager that should not be afraid to charge money, but maybe it's not the best contract negotiator. 
And therefore, you can have an account manager that either reports into the customer success organization. At the moment, what we do, we use the account executive from the sales team. That is then there, the joint conversations, sometimes in a QBR as well, especially around renewal or contract negotiations. Because it's 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 not fair in an enterprise motion to say that the customer success manager needs to do everything. Mm. It's just all about pulling the right people in, the right stakeholders. And that's the behavior that they then will be compensated for. So if I say I, I believe in double compensation, that means that the AE also get compensated in his 20% or over variable compensation on the same revenue number. So I don't mean that they need to be splitting their, their compensation together. No, I think that both of them should all be rewarded in their variable compensation. Okay, so when you say 20% is basically that 20% of your salary should should be, you know, depending on on the value or, or, or the so that has come from these different uh, measures that you had with the NRR, with the adoption and the customer advocacy. So if if 80% is your, your fixed salary, 20% is, is that variable, and these three elements you had here, NRR, adoption, customer advocacy, are they all worth the same in that 20% pool? I hear a lot of companies are doing it. So it's 40% NRR, 40% adoption, 20% customer advocacy. Mm. And then around that, you can have other incentives. So you can... Also say that if for every CSQL you organize, you get another bonus. Or for every referral you bring, you get an extra bonus. So don't be afraid to have extra incentives beside your 20% or 80% compensation split. Um, the only thing that what you can do in sales is really compensate on revenue number. Like you can give them a percentage of the revenue that they're driving. That's a tough model in customer success. So therefore, it's really about 80% fixed, 20% variable. And then maybe you can double or triple your bonus if you have accelerators um, on top. But that's, that depends on the company. And we don't do that. So like at the moment, we're experimenting with how much can we do in uncapped bonuses and how can you manage it well. But it's also a journey. Like compensation is something that you need to evaluate every year, every half a year, because it constantly needs to be aligned with your company goal. And if it's not growing or if it's not changing every, let's say, year, you'd really need to reconsider why, like, is this really optimal? Is this really driving the maximum that we want to get out of it or should we change it? Yeah. Should we add something? Should we take something away? And a trend that you now see is compensating on desired outcomes. Mm. Like if you have a really, really mature market, you see that you can compensate on desired outcomes because the faster you get to desired outcomes, quantifiable desired outcomes, the faster you can expand. And that's an alternative for pure NR focus because it can speed up your cycle. So do you think CSM should be happy with, with that 20% uh, dynamic uh, salary? Or? If it's uncapped, yes. Yeah, if, okay. it's only, if, it's, if it's pure 20%, then it's tough. Yeah, I I see 80-20. That's a bit of the where where I see it. I, I don't see the fifty fifty splits. Yeah, that you see in sales. But but again, uh, stupid question here. So let's say you have a, a salary, it's hundred percent. If I understood you correctly, you know, eighty percent was your base salary. The twenty percent was the the maximum you could get if you have all of these three components right. But that was not the case. No, you can overachieve. You can overachieve on that. So there could be, you know, 20% was if you 
sort of hit the goals. And if you if you exceeded the goals, the sky's the limit, right? Yeah, like the sky is never the limit. I've always <laughs> feel like really, truly, truly uncapped is 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 unprecedented. Okay, yeah, uh, it's something in sales that happens more, but yeah, you can say hundred fifty percent, two hundred percent, three hundred percent, and then you you can basically score more than your hundred percent. Okay, all right, cool. Is there no risk that uh, you have salespeople? It's very clearly defined roles. You need to, you know, land and bring in new logos, and then it's handed over to another organization where usually CSM is involved. Don't you see that there's a potential risk of conflict here if the CSMs are heavily impacted by upsells and cross-sells by driving more revenue to the company and thereby to themselves that you will potentially lose a little bit of that uh, consultative and supporting arm towards the customer if I only want to push through deals? I, I understand. That's always the the, yeah, the discussion that I'm having. Like, are you enough trusted advisor? Um, can you yeah, be commercially driven? I truly believe that, that, that you can be commercially driven while being a trusted advisor. And that's something that your leadership needs to coach you on because you're not just selling something. No, you're, you are charging for the next milestone and the next desired outcome and the next quantifiable goal. And that's a little bit of a behavior change from sales where it's really number focus and logo focus. Now with customer success, you have the maturity model. You know at what stage after how many months you can upsell, you know, the opportunities, right. uh, you, you can't just go for the kill. But in the end, if you are only a trusted advisor, yeah. how much proactive are you then really? Like, are you not just re- reactive? Um, and, and, and if you're just a trusted advisor, are you not just support? Yeah, but pff, you tell me. Yeah, you're the expert here. So like, I, I come from the world where I'm a firm believer that Every CSM organization, there are some exceptions out there because of product complexities and ACV levels and so on. But generally speaking, I'm a firm believer that every CSM organization should have a revenue goal. For sure. For sure. Now, I wanted to ask you also, you talked about the three pillars here, NRR, adoption, and customer advocacy. Um, I think NRR is super clear. like it's Everybody knows how to measure it. How do you recommend or what have you seen, you know, in your own business, all these CS folks you meet, like, how do you measure adoption? And I think probably what was most interesting for me was customer advocacy. What's the metric that you look at? So, and, and this is the, uh, where, where scorecards come in. Um, this is where you can say, okay, you need to have all these impact drivers, all these uh, actions on your, in your portfolio. and if you don't hit 85% of your normal business as usual or your impact drive, so relationship matrix, business reviews, internal business reviews, it's just an example of some of the scorecards. Um, next to that, you have a few customer advocacy behaviors, a quote of the customer, mm-hmm. a case that you can take externally, um, inviting a client to speak on an event on behalf of, of, of you as a company. Those are all little impact drivers that they can then score on that leads to um, variable compensation. But that only works if customer, customer advocacy is one of your revenue motions that marketing is really looking for. So if, if you 
don't have a revenue organization where marketing, sales, and CS is fully aligned, then yeah, don't look for customer advocacy um, behavior drivers if you're not going to use it from a marketing standpoint. So therefore, I really believe that the challenges in the business should be compensated. Are you building a SaaS business? Achieving ISO 27001 or SOC 2 compliance can help you win bigger deals, enter new markets, and deepen trust with your customers. But it can also cost you real time and money. Vanta automates up to 90% of the work needed to get and stay compliant. Get audit ready in weeks instead of months and save up to 85% of associated cost. Over 6,000 fast-growing companies use Vanta to manage risk and prove security in real time. Sassiest listeners get 20% off Vanta at Vanta.com slash Sassiest. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash Sassiest. Again, another loaded question. I think it's a day of loaded questions. Uh, (laughs) Based on, on our discussion here, to me, it feels like, well, if this is the case, then it's a natural fit that CSMs should somehow report into the CRO, whomever owns the revenue. Is that is that fair to say? Is that the right place in your opinion, Mick? I think up until you reach a certain maturity, that's the best place to be in. It's in, in the revenue org. Um, and then once you hit a certain, and I don't know what the exact benchmark is, but then at one stage, the tipping point comes that it might make sense to get a CCO in there. Yeah. Like a chief customer officer. Um, but until you don't have that necessity, I truly believe that customer success should report into VP sales or VP revenue, CRO, how you, how you got like, like different names, same game. Um, yeah, I'm uh, like, I, I truly believe that. Yeah, we're splitting waters here. I, I agree, but we probably pissed a lot of people. Off. So if you're <laughs> listening to this, and if you don't agree, yeah. let us know. If you do agree, let us know as well. But it would be interesting to hear other perspectives as well. So you know where to find us. So Daniel, like one thing, like mm-hmm. there is a lot of companies where it makes a lot of sense to use this model, but there is also an insane amount of number of companies where it just doesn't make sense. But like we are talking about uh, companies that are looking for high NRR, so with a lot either length and expand or multiple business units or a very clear expansion strategy. Mm. If you have found the magic wand where you sell a contract that is just not possible to expand, yeah, yeah, diff- different model, of course. So if you're as a CSM and you know you have these revenue targets you you need to think about these things does that mean that you need other type of training as well does that attract different um, talent you know would you say i've seen the shift already happening to be more a challenger um so so yeah sales methods challenger sale I see many of the modern customer success managers either were consultants or salespeople before and not coming from pure hospitality or support roles. And they're, they're also less happy. I've seen them leave, leave positions because they were not looking for this commercial aspect. Mm. But also if I talk to people that have 20 years of customer success experience, they, it, it has been there like for a long term, yeah, for a long while already. Like, those people that say, yeah, uh, Mick, I've been in the business for over 20 years. I haven't. It's always been commercial. It's just, again, being rebranded as customer success 
but it is commercial. Mm. You need standard sales training. Yeah. You need to know how to get people in a certain sentiment. Yeah. And you just don't have to be the best closer because you have someone else in your team who does that on a daily basis that you can pull into a conversation. But you need to understand the basics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we see that that account managers are rebranded to customer success managers, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say that you're a CSM at a company and you haven't had a revenue goal. You have worked being the customer's best friend, their advocate internally, very happy with that role. Suddenly you change the strategy in the company. You should be responsible for the upsell, the expansion. You should have this quota. And this is not for you. Where are you going to go? It's a very good question. Is there another role that is natural for a CSM to take at the company? Or do you need to find one of these other companies that doesn't have this expansion product or so? I see a lot of customer success managers either going into ops, where they uh, are either data-driven, they can still uh, support an organization, but they don't have to be this commercial or revenue focus. I've also seen them grow into product owners, okay. where you can really be your customer's best friend and go deep into what they need, why they need it, because that's often the aspect that these customer success managers love. But like, if you have an army of, of people that want to be liked, and it's like, that's why I like this expansion sale book, like being liked has almost no impact on renewal versus being successful mm. and having this success or outcome-based focused uh, a focus as, as customer success manager. And that's, to me, says enough. Like if, if, if you have a lot of people that are liked, it might not be your best long-term growth strategy or growth engine. And slowly you see that almost all organization realizes that focusing on NR is a very good and healthy growth strategy. So those people, maybe there's companies that don't have that much expansion or ex the need for expansion. So you can migrate or to another company where it's a different model. But less and less and less, I see companies that are not looking for this, this growth engine. Okay. You have customer-led growth at the moment. You have outcome-based growth. It's all about growth, growth, growth. Right. Great question, Thomas. Sometimes, sometimes. Uh, what if we flip around Thomas' question, Mick? And so you are this organization where you've had a fantastic pool of CSMs, and now you want to bring the revenue and quote on them like how do you as an organization help them in this transition like help them get on board on this buy into this educate them to to be successful what does that look like so what i've seen and what i've helped companies do there is that often you are from a reactive organization you're flipping to a proactive organization mm -hmm. so it's not about you immediately get quota no it's about okay we are going to change being from reactive to proactive and obsessing over customer outcomes. Um, customer success is customer outcome desired um, desired process. So in the end, sometimes they're only focusing on customer expectations and they just forgot that it's actually also about customer outcomes. Right. And if you want to change that, then obsessing over customer outcomes is the first step. And then you might lose some people but you can have book clubs. You can have a speaker of another 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 company. Um, but you should also not be afraid that it might not be for everyone, this transition. And you might lose one or two people that are just not happy in, in this future organization, but there is 
either other roles, as I said, they can go to different departments or to a company where it's less about growth and more about stability. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was curious a little bit, now that we all see potentially a trend that CSMs are becoming a little bit more commercial, if we go further back in the sales cycle, at what point do you believe, if we take your example, you're selling into enterprise, at what point is the CSM involved in the sales cycle? So I believe in the holistic revenue approach. Um, so as soon as you are in proposal stage, you're talking about onboarding plans and what's their desired outcome, what are the metrics, what's the forecast-based selling, that's when your CSM is there. And I also believe that in at least in, until the first end of first year, your account executive is responsible because if there is a very clear handover, you will never get this holistic approach where, the, okay, yeah, churn isn't my problem or... You will get um, NRs for you. I just get new deals, uh, overselling, under-delivering. Now, if you make sure that AE and, and CSMs are working together in the rollout planning, milestones creation, but also in milestones delivery of the first year, they fully understand the sales cycle. Um, and, and that, to me, is a, a behavior uh, that, that I would highly support. Okay. I think this has been... Uh really good insights. Uh, I've certainly learned a lot and got some some new perspective to it. Again, I want to, in your own words, you've already touched upon it, but for the audience listening here and are trying to further twist the dial to get their CSM's team even more commercial, what are the top three things that leaders should do? One, check Daphne Costa-Lopez from HubSpot who obsesses over customer outcomes. Um, and, and, and truly believes in commercial customer success. Two, have a conversation with your team around what is the company objective and how are you helping to achieve that objective? Are they fully aligned? Be transparent about the company objective. Yeah. And three, be open to experiment, to have individual compensation, team compensation, ask how, hey, we want to have this behavior. What do you need to get to that behavior? Maybe you find that in the beginning, they don't want to have this split, but they want to have incentives about amazing team activities that they want to do. Right. But start with, we need to go to this point. We Therefore, we need this behavior. What do you need to execute on that behavior? Makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that. Yeah, and we have a great community listening here. So uh, this is your chance, Mick, to do a shout out. Is there anything that they can help you with or anything that you're looking for? Yeah, like definitely reach out to me. What is the best uh, compensation structure that worked for you? Because there is 200,000 different compensation structures and we still don't know what the best way is. <laughs> um, so please reach out to me what works, what, dis what didn't work, why you like it. And also if you completely disagree with commercial customer success, let me know. Um, I would love to have a discussion with you. And is it the 80-20 rule uh, that you apply for your own folks and your own team? Yes, yes. That is the 80-20 rule and we did amazing in 2023. And we did an evaluation, okay, what do we need in 2024? And we changed it again. And if you look at Gainsight, one of the biggest customer success organizations, they have yeah, changed their comp plan year over year over year. Right. And yeah, 
it needs to change. If it's not changing, I don't think it's the right model for you. Gotcha. All right. Uh, so to end, uh, is there anyone that you think we should bring on the show here that uh, you know would make you excited to listen to that specific episode? Yeah, like Daphne Costa Lopez, uh, head of customer success at HubSpot. All right, Daphne, you heard the man. We're coming for you. All right, uh, Mick, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be on the show. Much appreciated, and we look forward to seeing you soon again. So take care. Bye-bye now. Thank you, uh, Thomas and Daniel, and it was a pleasure. Bye. So, Daniel, what are your takeaways from this episode? Quite a few. Quite a few. I learned uh, a few new things, and I, I appreciate Mick's way to introduce new new concepts and ideas. And uh, we're going to have to sit on, on this one a little bit uh, after the episode as well. But very quickly, one, uh, I like how he thought it was a good idea to split the variable part of the income into three segments. And it might, you know, how you split those three segments and how you weigh them might be different. But NRR, adoption, and customer advocacy. I like that because I think, from my personal opinion, if you just NRR, you might lose out on some things because you might just look short term. So I like that you still have like, okay, we still need to be able to measure adoption of new feature releases, you know, product deployments and so on for the long term. And I also want to like the, the customer advocacy part as he described it, like, you know, it's small little things like, will the customer be a reference? Will the customer agree to uh, speak at an event or do a webinar or, or, or do some kind of a, a white paper and so on? So if you can find a balance there, I think it's a nice way to proactively then also encourage and measure the success of the customer success. I appreciate that. What about you, Thomas? I think uh, what stuck with me was uh, where can a CSM that uh, does not want to work with the commercial parts go if you decide that your CSM should carry a quote and all this. And he mentioned that product would be a fitting place. And I, I think he mentioned product owner. I think there are different roles depending on company, you know, within product management, product marketing uh, that can be relevant because it's a lot about You know, that knowledge that you bring, having worked that closely with customers in the customer success role, I think it can be a goldmine for people that are looking where to take the product next. And you really want to work close to the customers uh, in different forms there with your um, customer focus groups or advisory boards and the discovery meetings and so on. So I think that's a good one. And I think... What we also do at our events that sometimes we bundle uh, customer success and products. So I think they are quite close to each other as well. So um, yeah, I think that was a good takeaway as well. Yeah, definitely. And again, to, to recap what we said a little bit in the beginning, if you want to be part of this discussion related to all things CSMs, like we said in the beginning here, head on over to Sassiest under the community tab and you too can join the CSM network, where we discuss this on a regular basis, these types of topics. I think on that note, like always, um, we appreciate you guys taking another 45 minutes, 50 minutes here to, to hang around with us and listen in. Thank you again for contributing all the great ideas for, for topics and speakers. And if there's anything else we can do for you, if you have any grand ideas, how we can extend what we do together with you guys during 2024, let us know. We're open for ideas. We take all kinds of suggestions and feedback 
and look at it dearly because that's really what what makes this community move forward cool so um see you around take care